could shut that door, that'd be really helpful. And just a reminder, I know my wife, you're going to leave, but make sure that you're available to come back here at the end, okay? All right, so Lord, we just thank you for this time in the Word. Are you ready? All is good? Lord, we just lift it up. Y'all help me tonight. We agree together. We come to you, Father, in Jesus' name, to his blood. Lord, we pray over this time. And Lord, we ask you that the heavens be open, your glory be awesome. Lord, that you would anoint and speak through me everything that needs to be spoken. And Lord, let this be powerful, effective, and fruitful. And everything will be accomplished in and through this that you're able to be done. Lord, I pray that your Holy Spirit move upon every one of us. Everyone's going to be hearing this to prepare their hearts and minds that all of us will be good, fertile soil for what you're wanting to say through the Word of God. And Lord, I ask you as you speak through me, it'll go out as living seeds of truth sown into good, fertile soil, watered by the Holy Spirit that'll take root, grow, and produce a hundredfold harvest of eternal fruit, fruit that remains until Jesus comes. And Lord, let the winds of your Spirit carry this everywhere it needs to go, and your mighty angels watch over it. We send on the promise your word will not return void, but it will go forth and accomplish what you sent for it to do. So, Lord, we submit this unto you. And Jesus said, the birds of the air try to steal the seed. So, Lord, we resist the enemy. He must flee. We agree together as a church. We bind up everything of the enemy that would try to hinder this in any way, getting where it's supposed to go, accomplishing what's supposed to accomplish, that would try to hinder and distract any person or thing. We bind you in Jesus' name. We command to come out and go right now. Lord, let your angels clear that out, and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. All right, if you guys would just help me preach this tonight, as little moving around as possible, and um, just help me out. So I'm going to be entering into this topic of what God spoke to me about returning to our roots. So there's three sermons that I'll try to cover over the next couple of weeks, Lord willing, that deal with the root system. And one of them is the Hebrew, and then the next is something in no particular order just however the lord leads but revival and then another is pentecost or the pentecostal roots and also that'll lead into the pentecost conference as right now we're in the season we just left passover we're in the season called the counting of the omer this is the 14th day of that it counts up to what's called shavuot in hebrew but it's pentecost and the word pent is implies 50 and so 50 days from first fruits and we get to the day of Pentecost. And we know Pentecost from the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter 2. But there is a powerful move of God that you can read about in Exodus where God descended on Mount Sinai and gave his word. So there's a lot to it. And the next five weeks will be very significant. I'll try to cover all of that. But as we look at this tonight, I'm going to talk about primarily about the Hebrew roots. But... In particular, I want to talk about the root system and how important this is. This is, a, this is a very big deal. So let me just dive into it. Has everybody got notes? Everybody's good to go? All right. Those that are watching online, uh, make sure you get notes. Those that are going to hear this after the fact, we always try to, I always try to include notes because people can follow along really easily with them. So as we look into this, let's start with Jeremiah chapter 6, verse 16. And this is interesting and a very powerful scripture. And it says, Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the eternal paths or the ancient paths. Where the good old way is, then walk in it and you'll find rest for your souls. So there is this eternal or it can be translated ancient path. Okay. And he said that you'll find rest for your soul in that ancient path. 
And it, Jeremiah is rebuking. I remember the day that Jeremiah lived. He lived, he was the, really the last true prophet of God that was inside Jerusalem's walls. He was in Jerusalem prophesying to the, the Jewish people at, during a time of great rebellion. And they were about to go into Babylonian exile because of their rebellion and their sin. And Jeremiah is the prophet during this time. So keep that in mind because he's rebuking them because they've left an ancient path. And he says this, let me read it again. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the eternal paths or the ancient path where the good old way is, then walk in it. He was telling them to get back on that ancient path that they had forsaken. And he said, if you'll do that, you'll find rest for your souls. But they said, we will not walk in it. Also, I set watchmen over you saying, hear and obey the sound of the trumpet or the shofar. But they said, we will not listen and we will not obey. And so you have to be careful with this rebellious thing because there's something in some people that hasn't been dealt with where this rebellion starts rising up within them against certain things, against leaders, against the word of God. I, don't, I think I've mentioned this before, but just about rebellion in general. I've, I've seen this a lot in ministry. I've had times where I was preaching and I read a scripture. I remember this specific time. I was reading straight out of the Bible a scripture about being submitted to authority. I'm pretty sure it had to do with wives submitting to husbands or whatever. But I was literally reading the Bible and I heard a couple women snicker at the word of God. That's rebellion in them rising up against, not me, the Bible. I was reading the Bible. I wasn't preaching. I was reading the scriptures. There's something in people that will rise up and rebel against God and his word. So anyway, there is an ancient path that God has cut for us that if we walk on that path, we'll find rest for our souls. Now, I believe that as you study the scriptures, I want you to think about some things for a moment. There is a path in Psalms where David talked about that there's the path of the righteous. You guys remember in Isaiah 35, it says there's a highway of holiness. And it talked about that highway even being in the desert, but there would be streams in the desert for those that were on this path. So there's something about a path and Jesus talked about that. He said that there's a broad path that leads to destruction. And there's a lot of people that find that path. But there's this narrow path that leads to eternal life and few find it. So there is this, this concept of a path that is all through the word of God. And there's something about staying on that path. Now, we know that anytime you have a path like that, there's a ditch on each side. And Jesus said, be careful who you're following because if the blind lead the blind, they both fall into a ditch. So you can follow the wrong people and they can lead you off that path into a ditch. And I would submit to you at least one revelation about the ditch is this, that on each side of this path, you're going to have two things. You're going to have on one side, you're going to have lawlessness. And this is a mindset of we can make our own rules. We can pretty much do what we want to do. We'll use the word of God to excuse our sin. And we'll twist the word, whatever, to find a way to do whatever we want to do. At the end of the day, we're going to do what we want to do. Lawlessness. 
There's another side of the path, the ditch, the total opposite extreme where you have extreme legalism and it's an oppressive thing. It's all about rules. It's all about measuring up and it's browbeating. It's heavy handed. That is a ditch on either side, but there is a path. And it's interesting because you can see also some things about this path in the word of God where John said that to walk in the light as he is in the light. There's something about the light that you walk in in Christ that Peter said that as you continue to walk with the Lord, the path will grow brighter and brighter and brighter till the dawn of the day when he comes. So there is something about a light walking in the light. There's a path, an ancient path of righteousness, holiness. Um, it's walking with the Lord. I would submit also that it is a relationship. Christianity really is not a religion, really. It is a restored relationship with God. And so, like the road to Emmaus, remember, Jesus was walking with them, and as they walked with the Lord down the path, they said, our hearts burn within us. There's something about that path that you're walking with him in relationship, okay? All right. But again, before I move on from this scripture, an ancient path. So Romans eleven sixteen, because I'm dealing really with the root system. The Lord spoke to me, return to your roots. And Paul says here, now if the first handful of dough offered as the first fruits, which is Abraham and the patriarchs. Now let me explain the concept of first fruits just real quick, okay? Let me rabbit trail. This is not your tithe. The concept of first fruits was this. If you gave, let me, let me use this example. This is the easiest way to explain it. So there's a farmer that has a field. And the idea was that they would be a part of that crop that would come up first. And so when that came up, and it was during this season of the spring feast that these crops would come up first, the barley, then the wheat. But the first that came up, the farmer would mark it. And as a matter of fact, if he had trees and there were branches that produced first. He would tie something on them. He marked that area because he wanted to cut that down, pull that off the tree, wanted to gather it because it was the first fruits. And the idea was that if he gave a first fruits offering to the priest at the temple, that it would set apart the rest of what he owned as holy and it would bring a blessing on it. So there's this concept. And it's not just in that but God said back then, he said, the firstborn of the womb is mine. Remember, you had to redeem them at the temple. So that was in a way of first fruits. And the first of the animals of those that, that had the herd, every time there was a first animal born, they either had to give it to God at the temple or if it was something that was not able to be sacrificed like a donkey, they had to kill it. But it, it was something that belonged to God. It was holy unto him, okay? So, all right, anyway, let me move off that. But there's this concept of first fruits. The first belongs to God the best. And God said here, now if the first handful of dough offered as the first fruits, and it represents Abraham and the patriarchs, is consecrated holy, so is the whole mass of the nation of Israel. And if the root, Abraham, is consecrated holy, so are the branches. 
But if some of the branches were broken off while you, a wild olive shoot, were grafted in among them to share in the richness of the root and sap of the olive tree, do you not boast over the branches and pride yourself at their expense? These were the unbelieving Jews that were broken off. He said, don't boast over that. For if you boast and feel superior, remember that it is not you that support the root, but the root supports you, okay? And so there is this concept here of the first fruits were holy, so the rest is holy. Is this making sense? All right. And the, really what I want to focus on is this, that it says that we were grafted in, we're all in this tree, and it's an olive tree, but we're sharing of the nourishing sap of the root. The roots here in this situation deal with the Hebrew roots of our faith. So in Christianity, Christianity has come up out of the soil of the Hebrew faith. And so Christ fulfilled everything that was under the law and the prophets. He fulfilled it all. And so there is a root system. There's this very important because by default, much of Western Christianity, by default, has a root system that goes back to Roman Catholicism. And they've never really dealt with that. You would be surprised how much anti-Semitism is in the body of Christ. Just telling you, it would surprise you. Let me read a few more and then, I, then I'm going to get into my point here. But Malachi chapter 4 for behold, the day is coming, burning like a furnace, and all the arrogant, the evildoers will be chaff. And on that day that is coming, will be set, it will set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave them neither root nor branch. That's interesting. But for you who fear my name, the Son of Righteousness will arise with healing in his wings, and you will go forth and skip like calves released from a stall. You will tread down the wicked, for the Lord... Uh, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet on the day which I am preparing, says the Lord of hosts. Remember the law of Moses, my servant, even the statutes and ordinances which I commanded him at Horeb for all of Israel. Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, the hearts of children to their fathers. So I will not come and smite the lamb with a curse. So there is something here about the hearts of fathers to children, children to fathers, and it releases the spirit of Elijah. I can't rabbit trail too much, but I've taught enough on the spirit of Elijah to, for River of Life to know what I'm talking about. The sevenfold manifestation, very prophetic, very fiery, uh, revival anointing, the fire of God, that has to do with the spirit of Elijah. So again, I want you to see here the hearts of fathers to children, children to fathers. And where I'm going with this tonight is bringing all these scriptures together. But there is an ancient path. And I believe the body of Christ, all of us need to really understand that going back and understanding the Hebrew roots of the faith is that part of that ancient path that's very important where there's rest for your souls. Also in this, we're talking about a root system. There are roots that we need to be connected to, that there is a nourishing sap that you draw from those roots, but you can be cut off from those roots if you're not careful. Or you could be plugged into a wrong root system that's not going to produce the fruit you want, which I'm about to talk about. And also, again, about hearts of fathers to children. There's something about 
spiritual fathership, the apostolic. There's something about that spiritually being under the right covering, having the right connections. That is very important that we discern that and understand who we need to be connected to. And as I said earlier, a blueberry root will never produce an orange. So if you get connected to a root system that is not where you need to be, you're going to have a very difficult time. Because see, what happens is, is sometimes people want certain type of fruit in their life and fruit in their ministry. And that's what they want. And they're praying about that. They're wanting to see that. But they're connected to a root system that will never help produce that fruit in their life. In fact, sometimes people are connected to a root system that is against that fruit. And I'll give you an example. Let's just talk about revival. Let's talk about the supernatural. Let's talk about the healing ministry. There are root systems that you need to make sure you're connected to because you're going to draw from the nourishing sap of that. But you've got to be careful because there's religious systems in place. Maybe you could say denominations, groups of people, various ministries. That when you get connected to the root system there, it actually is against what you're wanting to see. And you have to be careful because I'm just telling you what you're connected to will begin to influence what fruit you're bearing whether you want that or not that's what you're connected to and that's why for a long time I remember when things when you know brother Steve took sick and things were like they were I didn't know who to connect with I wanted to connect so bad. I prayed about it. I fasted about it. Uh, but I wanted to be connected to the right root system because I knew that if you connect to a religious thing and even connect to something that's against, you know, my wife and I, one of the things God's really anointed us and called us into is seeing people deliver to things, set free from things. Well, you know, God really uses us in that. It's one of the things he's called us to. And there was a particular denomination that I could easily be a part of, but they do not believe in that. I mean, at all. They just don't. They don't believe Christians can need deliverance from demonic things or, or you know, generational curses, etc. They don't believe in it. And here my wife and I are being so vocal about that. That's part of what God's called us to do. How in the world could I possibly be connected to that root system? It'll never work. All it's going to do is cause problems because they're going to be against us, not for us. Not only that, but you need to be under the right covering over your life that's actually going to protect you. You don't want to have a covering over your life that is against you. You realize how much of a door for the demonic realm if your spiritual covering is speaking curses over you or praying against you or they're opposed to what you're preaching? You ask how much of a door that would be for the enemy to attack you? You need a covering over your life that's going to bless you, that's going to pray for you, that's going to stand with you, they're going to defend you, they're going to believe in you. You need that. Is this making sense tonight? And so for years, I, I was praying, I was crying out to God. I didn't know what to do. Lord, I've got to be able to connect to the right people, but it was like, 
when things went like they did with Brownsville, everybody just kind of scattered. People went to different churches. People started different churches. It was just a big scattering everywhere. I didn't know who to connect to, how to connect to the right people. And uh, thank God that God began to move in a certain way as I was crying out to me, heard me. And God helped me to reconnect to the right people. But not the least of which is Brother John Davis. Man, what a blessing he has been. But he's a spiritual covering here to this ministry. But see, I knew that my root system goes back to revival and Pentecost. And I was not going to pull away from those roots and connect into some other root system that, that is nothing like that. Because even if I wanted to see a move of God, if I connect to the wrong roots, that sap of those roots is going to force the wrong fruit that I don't want. And I'm not going to be continually wrestling against that. I knew that I had to be connected to the right people. I knew I had to have the right covering. I knew that we needed the right network. And it had to be a God thing. And God began to bring us together with the right people. And I thank God for that. In Genesis 17 verse 3. Abraham at the time, of course, his name wasn't changed yet. Abram fell on his face and God talked with him and said, as for, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. You'll be a father of a multitude of nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name will be Abraham, for I made you a father of a multitude of nations. So let's talk for a moment here about the Hebrew roots. This is, this is very important. In fact, I can't tell you how important this is. I'm not an, an enemy of, of denominations and structures. I'm not at all. But you have to understand that it is man-made. I'm not against people. I'm not, a, I'm not preaching against things like that. I'm just saying it's man-made. And you have to make sure that you have spiritual authority over you that's actual spiritual authority, not a political game, a popularity contest, that, that people got voted into power because they shake the right hands, um, they did the right things, and they're the most popular person and all of that. You know what I'm saying? This is important stuff. Let me tell you, what I'm saying is very, very serious because the enemy is not playing around. He's out to steal, kill, and destroy, and those aren't... He doesn't use rubber bullets. If he can, if he can destroy your life, he will destroy you. He's not playing. And the last thing you need is some kind of a paper mache uh, covering over you that's just a game. That they, they, it's a political thing. It's who you know. And it's a popularity contest. And there's no anointing. There's no authority. There's no power. And that's supposed to cover you from principalities and powers. Give me a break. All right, and going back to root systems here. Much of the body of Christ has, um, by default, split off. You remember Martin Luther, 1517, split off Roman Catholicism. But much of the body of Christ has never really broke completely free from Catholic roots. And I'm not one of these that hate the Catholic Church or anything like that. I love Catholic people. But Roman Catholicism, let me say this. It's very important that people understand this. 
Look it up for yourself, those that don't believe me, because you're going to find when you research this for yourself, you're going to find that I'm right, and I'm just telling the truth. This is, this is a fact. They do not believe the gospel we believe. They don't. They believe that you go to heaven by being a good little Catholic. And there's people here that used to be Catholic that's nodding their head saying that's exactly right. They believe you go to heaven by going to mass and by doing what the priest tells you to do, so many Hail Marys, it's works. That's what's going to get you to heaven is by being a good little Catholic and being confirmed as a baby, etc. That you earn it. Wrong. Whatever religious system tells you you're going to get into heaven through religion and through works is lying to you. Okay? So I'm just saying that because people need to hear me tonight. Roman Catholicism is something that has a lot of idols. Um, there's a lot of paganism in it. And it's not a root system that you want to be connected to. All right. Now, God, if you read the word of God and study it, the early church for 300 years was very connected to that, the Hebrew roots. Keeping the feast. I mean, that was just the way it was. I mean, Christianity was very Hebrew. It had a very strong Hebrew flavor. And then Constantine comes in and deliberately does away with that. I know you guys know this, okay? But what I'm saying is, is that there is a nourishing sap. And this is what Paul referred to in Romans 11, 16, 17. He said, but if some of the branches were broken off while you, a wild olive shoot, being a Gentile church, you're grafted in among to share the richness of the sap of that olive tree. That is a direct reference to the Hebrew root system. Does everybody see that? That is the Hebrew root system. And so, one of the ways that the hearts of the fathers to children, children to fathers, I just submit to you that one of the ways that we honor the fathers of our faith, honor the fathers like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for example, honor the, the fathers of, of the early church, the, the disciples that, that you know, Jesus directly mentored, we're honoring the fathers, is by honoring the Hebrew roots of our faith. And let me just give you some things about this because I'm just going to tell you, this is, this is extremely powerful and very important for River of Life. And I know that everybody here is on the same page. I believe that. I believe that everybody understands this. I've done a lot of teaching along these lines, and we're all kind of on the same page about it. But the Hebrew root system is very important and powerful and I believe that a lot of the nourishing sap that we've been receiving in River of Life goes back to the fact of connecting to the right root system. We disconnected from any other roots that were religious, not only Catholic, but just any religious system of man that was just man. It's politics. We disconnected from wrong root systems and we're connected to the right root systems, which I believe are very biblical. We have an apostolic covering over us. Apostolic. They love us, they honor us, they bless us, they're praying for us. It's very powerful. But here's some things about the Hebrew roots of the faith. One of the things I love about it is it brings things back into the home. Because one, one of the things Constantine did when he came to power was he deliberately, see the Romans didn't like the Hebrews. They just, they didn't like the culture. 
And when Constantine came to power, and all of a sudden he makes Christianity illegal, they stop um, throwing Christians to lions in the Colosseums. They stop burning them alive on the streets. They stop ransacking homes and destroying families. All of a sudden, Constantine sees a cross, and, and he becomes favorable toward Christianity. But while he's doing that, understand he's still officiating in Roman uh, pagan temples at the same time. But anyway, all of a sudden, the persecution stops, but Constantine goes directly against, and he wants to do away with anything that's Hebrew <clears throat> and make Christianity into something that suited what he wanted. And one of the things they did was they forced it out of the home and brought it into big buildings with professional clergy. Well, here's the thing. The Lord had Christianity in homes and the Hebrew roots of the faith, the home was an altar. The home was a place children grew up learning the word of God. But all of a sudden under Roman Catholicism, that's being done away with and you have to come to a big building and you're only gonna hear it once a week maybe. And it has to come through that clergy. Is this making sense? God always intended for it to be in the home as a family structure. And one of the things I love about the Hebrew roots is it brings it back into the home. There's something about generational transfer. The Bible says to train up a child in the way that they'll go. And when they're old, they won't depart from it. That takes place in the home. See, one of the ways, there's so many things I could rabbit trail, I'm not going to, but one of the ways you see the influence still of Roman Catholicism in much of Christianity is this, is that the father in the house is not really being the spiritual leader and teaching them the things of God. He depends on taking them to church and letting the pastor do it once a week or the children's pastor teaches kids. And they only have them for a very short amount of time. And then they're thrust into many times a public school system where they're constantly being bombarded by stuff that's not good. And it's like everything was just depending on, well, we'll bring our kids and just give them to you. You can teach them. But see, in the Hebrew family, the Hebrew culture, it was, it was something in the home that the family taught the children the ways of God. In fact, even in Jesus' day, children coming up had to memorize portions of Scripture while they were still a child. That was how they ended up being bar mitzvah. Was they, it was part of it to memorize Scripture and learn the Word of God. But it was in the home. And some of the things that you learn from, from bringing the Hebrew roots into your family and creating a culture that is connected to that root system in your personal home and in your personal family is you're going to find some of these things, okay? You learn to put God first in your day by having a daily prayer life. That goes back to the Hebrew roots. Still to this day, it's called shacharit in the morning. Get up early, seek the Lord in prayer. Actually, really devout uh, Jewish people to this day will pray three times a day. But daily prayer. It's you learn to put God first in your day by having a daily prayer life. Another thing you'll learn from the Hebrew roots is this. You learn to put God first in your money by being faithful with your tithes and offerings. And that goes back, that's very strong in the Hebrew culture, to be givers. 
Another thing you learn is to put God first in your week by having a weekly Sabbath in Hebrew Shabbat, but having a weekly Sabbath day that you learn to put God first in your week. So really the Sabbath falls like this. It ends the work week, but yet it begins the next week. It's like the pivotal day. And so you learn to put God first in your week. You also learn to make your home an altar and a sanctuary because your home is a place of prayer a place of Bible study so you don't want things in your home that would grieve the Holy Spirit and just like purging the leaven out at Passover you you learn to purge things out of your home that don't need to be there and that your home is an altar it's a place where you pray you want it to be pleasing to God so you learn that your home is to be like a little sanctuary for the Lord at Passover the Manishtana, the, the little children, the youngest, ask the questions. They ask those four questions. Why is this night different than others, etc.? But you learn in the Hebrew roots, even the children learn how important it is to be inquisitive and ask questions and begin to learn the things of God. It's important that children learn to ask questions about God. Amen? They, little children need to be encouraged to ask questions about the Bible. Well, what does this mean? I don't understand this. Can you teach? You know, why are we doing this? Another thing is the importance of speaking blessings. And you know, that goes back to the Hebrew culture. You know, mo most of the church world, when you talk about blessings and curses, at least here in, in America probably don't even believe in blessings and curses to be honest with you but anyway you learn about the power of blessings versus curses in the word of god it goes back to the hebrew culture the hebrew roots remember how isaac spoke a blessing over jacob and esau missed the blessing but the power of a blessing over your life also learning how to pray and learning the word of god and another thing I would say, too, is the feast. The various feast times throughout the year. Let's just, just think about it for a moment. You know, the, the year, the biblical year begins just right before Passover. And so the way that you biblically were supposed to begin your year, really, was to learn how to purge the yeast out of your life and to bring your family under the blood of the lamb fresh it's like renewing the covenant if you will and that was how you began the year and how powerful that is to have your family and your little children around a passover table and they're learning from from a new testament perspective they're not just seeing the exodus here but they're seeing christ fulfilled in all of it and I'm just telling you that when you bring this into your home and your family, what's happening is these little children grow up around that table and they feel with their hands and they put in their mouth those bitter herbs, they, they hold the matzah there, and they'll never forget it. You know as well as I do, little children that grow up, you know, it's one thing to tell them about something, it's another thing for them to experience it. And they grow up and they, 
they go through the house with dad and they they get the yeast out and dad now from a new testament perspective is teaching look this really speaks of sin son or daughter it's important that you don't have stuff in your home that would grieve the holy spirit this is a big deal because if you're not careful one day your home can be oppressed and you see and they grow up doing these things and being around it and experience see this is the hebrew roots of our faith and the children grow up and this is something they'll stay with them the rest of their lives and then you begin to count the the counting of the omer where you go from from passover up to pentecost and the first day is first fruits i know that i'm just simplifying everything so you look toward pentecost and and you begin to teach the children about the power of how God descended on Sinai and he gave the word to love the word and how the Holy Spirit fell in Acts chapter 2. And, and we do a Pentecost conference because I want to bring in the anointing. I want to bring in speakers that will bring the word of the Lord and the power of the Holy Spirit. But that's what Pentecost is about. So you teach and again the children come and they're experiencing the baptism of the Holy Spirit in their little lives then you get into let's look at some of the fall feast you get into yom teruah the, the feast of trumpets and you teach your family you teach the church how it speaks of the rapture of the church the rapture of the remnant bride the coming of the bridegroom and what are they learning they're learning to to live in a way that the lord could come anytime they're learning to and then they hear the shofar blast and we got some toy a little chauffeur ream little toys for the kids and they're like, you know blasting it but but they'll never forget the sounds playing those little playing the shofar themselves and hearing and experiencing they'll remember that it'll stay with them it'll stay with them in their hearts to know that the lord could come anytime we got to live in a way that we're ready for that and you learn Yom Kippur, the, the Day of Atonement. We usually have a special prayer meeting, but what do you learn at Yom Kippur? You learn about God's willingness to forgive us, but you also learn the importance to be a person that repents. So you're teaching your church, your family, you're teaching the little children the importance of being somebody that will humble themselves and repent. I'm not going to be arrogant, I'm not going to be stubborn. I'm not going to be somebody that God's got to beat over the head or, or yell at me, you know, to get my attention. How many knows I just want the Lord just to whisper something to me and that's it. That's enough for me. You know, he doesn't got to put me through all kinds of stuff in life. I just want him just to speak to me and I'll repent. So we learned at Yom Kippur the importance of, of being somebody that's humble and quick to repent and get things right with God. And if you've wronged somebody to make that right, see, that's also a Yom Kippur. If you've, if you've done something you shouldn't have done, you need to apologize to that person or make it right. But you also learn how God is willing to forgive us. How many knows that's an important lesson for children to learn? You don't want them to think that God is somebody that's up there that's not, just not willing to forgive them at all and just is against them. You don't want them to think that. God, God wants to forgive you if you'll come to him but a lot of times people sin and they do like adam and eve and they go hide somewhere from god worst thing you can do if you ever mess up just hear it from pastor scott if you ever blow it run to him he'll forgive you 
Okay, don't ever forget that. And then you move into Sukkot, the tabernacle time. Building the sukkah. And the children help put it up. The children help decorate it. And they learn what the sukkah represents. They learn that it has to do with God's abiding presence, tabernacling, how Christ is come, he has come to tabernacle among us in a very literal sense. I mean, the Lord is with us. And how many of you guys feel the presence of the Lord here tonight? The presence of the Lord, the tabernacle glory of God is here. But obviously we know that Jesus is physically going to come and tabernacle on the earth for a thousand years. So they, they begin to learn all that, but also, let me tell you, it speaks of faith, doesn't it? Because Abraham lived in tents. The early um, patriarchs, men, they had to come from a foreign land, and they lived as foreigners. There was marauders, there was dangerous people all around. There was nations around them that were dangerous, military forces that were dangerous, they were living by faith in these tents that God would take care of them and protect them. So there's something about tabernacles that you learn to live by faith. You also learn that we're just passing through. Then, you know, the whole thing about Hanukkah. I, to me, this is one of the most powerful lessons to learn, especially right now. Here we are in these last days. Hanukkah is a picture and type you remember Antiochus Epiphanes? Antiochus Epiphanes was a picture and type of the Antichrist and how he set up a, an image in the temple. And it, this is coming. And also how he tried to force God's people to intermix in with pagan things and worship pagan gods and they would compromise and bring mixture. This is a time... When we need to hear that message of Hanukkah, that God wants his people to be a holy people unto him, there's not going to be all this mixture stuff. And I'm going to tell you that in churches, there's been a lot of mixture with the world, and it has grieved the Holy Spirit, and you don't see the power of God like you used to in a lot of those places because of that very thing right there. God is not going to be okay with the mixture. And so you begin to teach them also to have courage like the Maccabees. And that leads into, of course, you get into the last uh, feast of the biblical year, which would be Purim. And what's Purim about? The life of Esther. How much courage did it take Esther to risk her life to go in there and give her, you know, appear before the king? It took great courage. And so you want your children to learn to have courage in God, to to be bold. What did God say to Joshua over and over? I'm going to send you in there, but you're going to have to be strong and you're going to have to have courage because you're going to face some giants. You're going to face some military forces that are bigger than you. You're going to face some walled cities. You're going to face some things that in the natural would be very scary, but you're going to have to find that I am the God who will defend you. I will give you supernatural victories Things will fall before you that shouldn't fall before you because I'm with you. Therefore, you be strong and you have courage in me. And Joshua had to learn that. But see, when you bring this culture into your family, into your home, the children grow up being taught these valuable lessons. How to put God first, how to make their home a sanctuary, how to be a man or a woman of prayer in the word of God. Is this making sense tonight? 
do you see a little bit more as I'm talking of how this is a nourishing sap into your life? And I would submit to you not only what I've said, but I'm going to give you four other things that I believe happen during these feast times, whether it be a Sabbath or these various feasts throughout the year. The Bible calls them Moedim, Moed, and it, the best translation for the Hebrew word Moed is a divine appointment. And it's interesting because even in Genesis, God said, I put the sun and the moon there for signs and seasons, but seasons is Moed. But Moed means like a divine appointment. And it seems like God says, I will meet with you in a special way at these times. Now, you and I, if we were to have somebody important, like maybe our boss at work, or maybe somebody that's, that's a, you know, very, very powerful individual, and they, they wanted to meet with us, and it was important, it was important meet, meeting time. And they said, I'm going to meet with you on this date at this time. Wouldn't you make the effort to be there, you see? There's something about these times, these seasons of the Lord, where God seems to meet with you in a special way. And I'm just telling you from experience, too, that in River of Life, during these times, that it seems like the presence of God thickens, and it's significant, and it's just powerful. It's like God is meeting with us in a special way. Not that he's not here always, because he is, but it's like an intensity about it. Also, I believe that you tap into something very ancient and very powerful. It's like, for example, i say this quickly, but there are satanic feasts and ceremonies and things that go on in other cultures and um i know you know when children of israel went into to canaan god told them do not go to their feast and participate in their feast why because it was under those gods and god didn't want them eating at a table of demons and then eating at his table there was he wasn't going to put up with that mixture and one of the things that i saw like with my wife's testimony was that obviously her family what she's we've talked about was that there was these other religions other occult practices other feasts if you will to other gods and one of the things that i really felt for her was whenever we renounced those things and brought her out from that there is a disconnecting from that and i'll say even in my family freemasonry you know there's 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 certain things what I noticed with my wife was this. When certain satanic occult times came, she seemed to have been attacked. She seemed to have been going through something. But whenever we prayed about that and renounced that, it disconnected her from that. What was that? That was like a timing and a season that wasn't of God. But once we disconnected from that timing and plugged her into these, these feasts of the Lord, it connected us to his timing and what he's doing if that makes sense i believe there's something to that that's very powerful because god is on the move and he's doing something and god has a timing we need to be careful to be connected to his timing and you know i actually the person that i felt like god taught me that through them was chuck pierce he was talking about that he said many people have things in their bloodline that things have traveled down that bloodline and it's they seem that they're out of sync with the lord they're out of if god does something they're in the wrong place at the wrong time they're out of sync 
And he was talking about disconnecting from that and getting connected to the feast of the Lord and connecting to God's timing. I'm telling you, there's something to what I'm saying. Because I've seen that with some people. I also believe that during these times, it brings like a blessing of the Lord upon your life and your family. Let me say that again. I believe it brings like blessings from the Lord on your life and your family. And I'm just going to tell you that I preach here almost every week. And there's certain times that I can tell something very significant is going on. And tonight, um, if y'all could just get my wife, that'd be great. But I'm just telling you that tonight I felt more of a satanic resistance throughout this whole service than I felt in a long time. I felt it the entire time I've preached tonight. Everything I've said I felt has been resisted by something. You know why that is? Because something does not want you to hear what I had to say tonight. This has been extremely resisted. Why? Because Satan knows that if we get connected to the right root system, it's going to affect our fruitfulness. If we have the right covering over us, it's going to have a lot to do with the protection in our lives that we need. And if we understand these things that I'm talking about, about that nourishing sap of the Hebrew roots, it's going to bring something so powerful into your life and into your family. And the enemy doesn't want you to have that. And so, Lord, we just thank you. We thank you as we're going to shut down recordings, but thank you for your word tonight. And, Lord, I pray that this will really bear fruit and get into people. Lord, I thank you for the power of your word tonight. Lord, we thank you for the power of, of these truths. Lord, help us to get this. Help us to really connect to the, the right root system, the Hebrew roots in this situation I'm talking about tonight, to really connect to the root system there and share of that nourishing sap. Lord, we thank you for it and we bless you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so we're gonna pray for people who want prayer tonight. If you could just play something maybe on that iPod. <laughs> 